Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on 20th of January and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises John Plush as recording engineer, Paul and Jean Atkinson on copying and admin and our readers today are Catherine Neal Hello. and Phil Lee. Hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners today and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then a brief what's on in the local theatres, followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport, and finishing up with a thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So, let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Phil is going to read out for us. OK, let's go. Here at Wilds Lane, as Pippa just said, we're 01905 767 766. And it adds, listeners should be aware, and I'm sure you all are by now, that it is not manned daily and you need to be patient if a reply is required. Police non-emergency is 101. NHS Direct is 111. Out-of-hours medical assistance can be found on 0300-123-3211 between 6 and 8pm. Crime Stoppers is on 0800-555-111. Worcester Hub is on 01905 765765. The Worcestershire County Council here to help can be found on 01905 768053 and you go for option 3. The community risk team which deals with fire safety is 0800 032 1155. The domestic abuse helpline is 0800 980 3331. Sense Adventures, which is walking for the visually impaired, is in the hands of Dee Jones, who is on 01684 891297 or 07920 or you can contact Dee on www.senseadventures.co.uk and that's all small case letters. The Samaritans are on 116123. Worcester Live, 01905 611 and Malvern Theatres, 01684 892 Thanks very much, Phil. Just writing that number down because I need it. OK, so if you're getting withdrawal symptoms from Christmas and festive season over, take a trip to the Swan Theatre because Kay's Theatre Group are performing their 2022 Panto, Little Red Riding Hood, from today, actually, Thursday the 20th to Sunday the 30th of Jan. 
7.15pm start, although they do have matinee performances on Saturday afternoons at 2.30pm. For ticket prices and more details, it's the box office 611427. And I read that that's the 67th um, perform well, not performance, but offering from the Case Theatre Group. So they've obviously been going a long time. And Worcester Cathedral starts its spring lunchtime recital series from the 27th of January, so next Thursday. They run at, from 12.15 to 1pm, and it's for the following Thursday, four Thursdays after that. On the 27th, you can listen to Joan Schmeising playing the violin, and on the 3rd, it's the choral, choral scholars of Worcester Cathedral. I'm not sure what about the last two, what's, what's going to take place on the last two weeks, but no doubt there'll be more details following. Admissions are free with that and donations welcome at a retiring collection. If you're a fan of uh, 1950s and 60s rock and roll music, you need to get along to the Forum Theatre at Malvern Theatres on Saturday the 29th of January for a production of Lipstick on Your Collar. It's performed by a full live band and features, oh, who have I got down here? Tight harmonies are guaranteed to get you your feet tapping, apparently. It, the start is at 7.45 and you can get more details from the Malvern box office, which is 01684 And finally, if you need a bit of cheering up, and who doesn't at this time of year, head down to Worcester's Huntington Hall on Friday the 28th of January for an evening with the Comedy Club, featuring Kate Lucas, Rich Wilson, Gary Trow, and headlined by Britain's Got Talent star, Mrs Barbara Nice. 7.30 start there, £16.50 for the tickets, and more details, it's 611-427. So, moving on now, we'll go for the main headlines of the week, which Catherine will read out, and then we will carry on with the stories. Thank you, Pippa. Um, These are the headlines, then. Friday the 14th of January, two killed in fireball horror. Saturday the 15th of January, tackling parking headache. Monday the 17th of January, lured to place of savagery. Tuesday the 18th of January, Scooter Getaway ends in jail. Wednesday the 19th of January, lorry driver arrested over collision. And Thursday the 20th of January, why can't they leave us alone? Right, so last Friday, 14th of January, the headline story was two killed in fireball horror. Two men have been killed after a car crashed into a lamppost before bursting into flames. Lukman Ashraf, aged 28, and Mohammed Yazin, aged 24, from Worcester, died after their red Toyota Yaris crashed. West Midlands police were called to the crash on Hagley Road West in Bearwood, near Birmingham, shortly before 10pm on Tuesday. A third man, also in his 20s, was taken to hospital with serious injuries. Paying tribute to the young men, Worcester City Councillor Jabbar Riaz said... It's a tragic loss of two young lives. My thoughts go out to their friends and family. Everybody knows them. They were kind and caring men. They would go out of their way to help the community. They've been taken back to their Lord. Lukeman, a former pupil of Bishop Perone High School, worked at Hillside Pizza in Malvern for several years before his death. 
A colleague at the takeaway said, Lukeman had worked for Hillside for many years and was known and loved by many of the customers in the Malvern district. He was hard-working, professional and always brought light to everyone around him. Our thoughts are with his family, his many friends and he will be greatly missed by all who knew him. Sleep well, my brother. It was an honour to work with you. A GoFundMe has been set up in honour of the young men by friends Khatib Shabir and Ushman Multani. Mr Multani said, We lost two brothers and one remains in hospital after a tragic car crash, Mohammed Lukman Ashraf and Mohammed Yazin. When we lose someone so dear to us, the only thing we can do that will benefit them is Dua and Sadqa Jariya, which means worship and charity. Almost £3,000 has been donated in less than 24 hours since the fundraiser launched, with all money going towards a water tank in Yemen. Police are currently investigating the crash and are in touch with the men's families. Anyone with information is urged to come forward. Detective Sergeant Paul Hughes of the Serious Collision Investigation Unit said, We're in the early stages of establishing exactly what happened and we remain keen to hear from anyone who was in the area at the time. We would appreciate it if drivers could check their dash cams as anything which was captured could assist our inquiries. This is a devastating time for the families of the victims and we did urge people to come to us with any footage rather than speculate and share potentially distressing material online. People can call 101 Incident 4263. Thank you, Catherine. Um, Saturday and Sunday's headline is Tackling Parking Headache, Safety Issues for Parents with Young Footballers. Parents dropping off young footballers are creating parking woe for people living near a main road in Worcester. A lack of appropriate parking is forcing the parents of young footballers to park along the busy A38 Droitwich Road, causing problems for neighbours and safety fears. But a city councillor has said there's no easy answer for Warnden Village's football club, which uses Little Purdiswell. Many of the players come from across the city, with the rival teams sometimes driving for an hour to matches. Councillor Karen Lawrence said they had been left with few options after the park and ride area was built on and no suitable parking nearby. She and fellow Claims councillor Mel Alcott have been trying to help find a solution to appease neighbours and the football club. It's great, I think these words come from Councillor Lawrence, it's great that children are involved with a good healthy sport and on Saturdays I appreciate everyone is rushing around. It would help if people would share lifts or there was a drop-off system, but then you have to have someone to receive them. I also appreciate that people want to stay and watch their children too. But there have been complaints from people living nearby about the parking. With the park and ride going, it seems very short-sighted to me. The garden centre has put up a sign saying no parking for football. The little car park won't be big enough, I think. The Raven and Purdyswell pubs could have been used, but of course these are blocked off. There is some parking at the school, but again, I don't think that will be enough. Councillors Lawrence and Alcott are appealing for local businesses to get in touch if they have parking space that can be used. Councillor Alcott added, It has been much more difficult for parents to park since the park and ride closed. The little store will be opening in the spring of this year. I'll be in touch with all stakeholders to see if a resolution can be resolved around this. Warnden Village's football club has been contacted for a response. And the headline for Monday, January the 17th, Lured to Place of Savagery. 
A despicable gang beat up a vulnerable man, luring him to a secluded spot before launching a savage street robbery, which left, left the victim in hospital. Daniel Priest, the ringleader, hatched the plot at McDonald's in Worcester city centre, having earlier befriended his 23-year-old target, who has autism. Priest and his friend Andrew Neighbours met the victim at Fourgate Street Railway Station before leading him to a quiet city street where they knew there was no CCT coverage. Others, following behind in a second group, then beat the victim until he was bruised and bleeding, smashing his phone so he could not call for help. Priest and neighbours had already stolen PlayStation games from the man's home in Kidderminster. Priest, 25, of Aldley Road, Bromsgrove, and Neighbours, 34, of Jackson Street, Oldbury, admitted conspiracy to commit robbery and two further counts of theft against the same victim, which only came to light after the robbery. Christian Lewis, 18, of Scotts Road, Stourbridge, also admitted conspiracy to rob. He allowed his phone to be used in the plot, but denied taking part in the attack itself and tried to get others to stop hitting the victim. Matthew Lloyd, 18, of Duke of Edinburgh Way, Malvern, who had already pleaded guilty to the conspiracy, did not attend the hearing. Andrew Davidson, prosecuting, said priest and neighbours befriended the victim, visiting him at his Kidderminster home. This, the prosecution say, was a ruse, and the purpose of the friendship was to steal from him. Both men knew he was vulnerable, he said. He allowed them into his mother's house where they stole a PlayStation game and an electric cigarette on January the 31st, 2020. They came back and stole two more games on February the 6th, 2020. Priest called the victim on February the 8th, 2020, asking him to come into Worcester. Priest and neighbours suggested to the victim they looked for somewhere to eat. This was a lie. They were walking him to the place where he was to be robbed, said Mr Davidson. They walked past Tesco towards the corn market. A second group, those who would carry out the robbery, following behind to Carden Close, the planned location of the robbery. It was described as being secluded and having no CCT coverage. They arrived at about 7pm. Priest said he needed to relieve himself, leaving the victim with neighbours as the second group closed in. Neither priest nor neighbours took part in the robbery they had arranged. Mr Davison said of the gang, they approached him and launched a savage physical assault, punching around the head. He went to the floor and was repeatedly punched and kicked on the floor. This caused bruising and swelling and bleeding to the face and his back. One of the defendants has taken his mobile phone and damaged it beyond repair. Priest then returned to the scene and called 999, saying his friend had been attacked. The victim was taken by ambulance to A&E at Worcestershire Royal Hospital in Worcester and discharged the following morning. The court heard that Priest later shared photos of the victim's injuries on a Snapchat group as a way of bragging about the offence. Judge James Burbage QC called the crimes despicable and jailed Priest for 20 months. Neighbours was remanded in custody to await a pre-sentence report from the probation service. Lewis, who had no previous convictions and was a youth at the time of the offence, was handed a 12-month community order and ordered to complete 120 hours of unpaid work and 10 rehabilitation activity requirement days. He was given 28 days to pay £50 compensation 
and a statutory victim surcharge. Right. On Tuesday, January the 18th, the headline story was Scooter Getaway Ends in Jail. A burglar who made a getaway on a mobility scooter after terrifying a young woman in her bedroom is beginning a jail term. John Francis burgled one Worcester home, attempted to burgle another and committed several frauds with a stolen bank card, using it to splash out on whiskey, designer clothes and a drill. The 44-year-old of Wilds Lane, Worcester, later found to be armed with a homemade stun gun, was jailed for 26 months at Worcester Crown Court after a series of adjournments delayed the sentence. Francis burgled a six-bedroom semi-detached house with nine people inside, including children, in Hillary Road, Worcester, on May the 26th last year and entering through a downstairs window. He was later to admit to police that he'd performed work as a decorator at the same address and knew there was money in the kitchen, which the judge said made it a mean offence. From inside, France, from inside, Francis stole an iPad worth £200, a laptop also worth £200, an iPhone worth £500, £100 in cash from a teapot and a Santander bank card, which he later used to commit six frauds by false representation. Francis splashed out on a £45 drill from Wix, trainers in a bag worth £36 from Sports Direct, clothing and other items worth £42 from Mountain Warehouse, clothing valued at £28 from JD Sports, £39 of electrical items from Asda and whisky worth £30 from St Paul's News. Siobhan Collins, prosecuting, said the defendant was identified as being responsible for the transactions by various police officers. On May the 30th last year, just four days after the burglary, Francis attempted to burgle another house in Devon Road, Worcester, disturbing a young female student who was asleep downstairs. Miss Collins said she was woken up at 3.20am to find the defendant attempting to gain access through her bedroom window, which was very close to her. She described it as being just over her head. Francis was wearing black gloves and a black hat, the gloves interpreted by sentencing judge Nicholas Cartwright as evidence the defendant had gone equipped for the burglary, as there would be no need for him to wear gloves in summer. When the victim shouted at Francis, he ran away. He got on a mobility scooter and left, said Miss Collins. The victim described how for a couple of days afterwards she could not sleep. She was worried he would come back, the prosecutor said. Her uncle, a taxi driver, recognised the defendant from a photo obtained from a neighbouring property, naming him to police. As a result, police attended Francis's home on June the 9th last year, conducting a search where they found a homemade taser or stun gun capable of delivering an electric shock, identified as a prohibited weapon. Of the attempted burglary, Francis told officers in interview he'd been looking for somewhere to burgle and he had no money. Francis had convictions for shoplifting and drugs offences, but nothing for burglary and no previous weapons offences on his record. He also had several convictions for failing to comply with the terms of a community order. In total, he had 32 previous offences recorded against him, including many offences of theft said the judge.
Judge Cartwright, sentencing, also noted that laptops and phones did not just represent a financial loss to their owner, but contained photographs, personal messages and other personal data. He said of the attempted burglary, it must have been terrifying for that young woman to wake and find you climbing in the window in that way. Francis can expect to serve half the 26 months in custody and half on licence in the community. Wednesday's headline is Lorry Driver Arrested Over Collision. A lorry driver has been arrested on suspicion of causing serious injury by dangerous driving after another driver was hit by his vehicle on the M5. Officers were called to the stretch of motorway between Junction 7, which is the Worcester Junction, and Junction 8 for the M50 southbound shortly after 7.30 on Monday to reports of a seriously injured man laying partially in the carriageway. The man was confirmed to be the driver of a lorry which had stopped on the hard shoulder. Witness reports suggest that he was standing on the rear offside of his vehicle when he was struck by a passing white lorry. He sustained life-threatening injuries and was transported to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham by air ambulance, where he remains in a critical condition. The lorry which hit him failed to stop, but was later tracked down by officers who arrested the driver, a 41-year-old man, on suspicion of causing serious injury by dangerous driving, and he remains in custody. An eight-hour road closure was put in place with fire service crews assisting with lighting as a police-led investigation was carried out. Drivers who were caught between the incident and Junction 7 were turned around and escorted back to the Worcester exit. National Highways for West Midlands confirmed the motorway was fully reopened at around 5am yesterday morning, in other words, Tuesday morning. Officers are now appealing for anyone with further information or dash cam footage to come forward. Sergeant Steve Hasty of the road policing team said, The motorway was busy at the time the incident occurred, so I would urge anyone who witnessed the collision or was driving between junctions 7 and 8 at the time and may have dash cam footage of either the collision itself or the lorry stopped on the hard shoulder to please get in touch as soon as possible. The victim remains in a critical condition in hospital, he continued, and we need as much information as possible to help us progress with the investigation. Anyone who is anyone with information or footage is asked to contact West Mercia Police, quoting Incident 520 of January 17, 2022. Alternatively, if you have information but don't feel comfortable speaking to the police, you can speak to the independent charity Crime Stoppers, which can be contacted online or by calling 0800 555 And finally, the headline for Thursday, January the 20th, why can't they leave us alone? Residents have said enough is enough over a car crime wave that has hit a Worcester suburb. Andy Roberts, Worcestershire County Councillor for Warnden, says he shares their concerns after another suspected offender was caught on camera. Councillor Roberts said, We accept we are in a low-level car crime area, but this is starting to knock the confidence of the public. To be frank, I agree with them that enough is enough. I have arranged to meet with the police for a briefing. I want to express directly the concerns that local people have. Exasperated residents have said the situation is now getting out of hand. One saying, why can't they just leave us alone? Warnden Parish Council's Vice Chairman Andrew Cross appealed to residents to keep reporting incidents. Councillor Cross said, if you haven't already done so, please report this to our local police. 
The police say they need our reports to allocate funds to tackle this. Elizabeth Viegas, one of those who shared the footage of the latest suspected offender, described the situation as scary. Her footage was among many shared by Warnden Village's residents, taken on ring doorbells of the man who was seen trying vehicle handles, vehicle door handles in Homestead Avenue. The latest offender was spotted in the early hours of Tuesday morning, January the 18th, at around 1.47am, with neighbours living in the area reporting him to police. We reported last month cars were targeted in Long Meadow and cars and vans, including in Homestead Avenue. Among the incidents during the car crime wave last year, two vehicles were stolen from driveways of properties in the area in July, while in August, Paul Bennett said he discovered his car had been broken into on his drive at his home, also in Woodleeson Avenue. Thieves broke into a vehicle in Topham Avenue and Woodleeson Avenue, Lippard Hanford, in October, and also that month, a brazen thief made off with two pairs of expensive headphones in Debdale Avenue. PCSO David Anderson told us earlier this week somebody had been reported for trying car door handles and the police were currently investigating him. He added, Patrols are still going out and around Warnton Villages. We are being quite proactive. We're working hard to apprehend any of the offenders. We're looking at all angles. I hope they catch him. So that's the headline stories for the week and we'll now move on to some general news stories if you're happy to start off, Catherine. Yeah. Uh, there's to be a new cafe for those feeling isolated. A new community cafe helping people feeling isolated has opened at a Worcester community centre. Lippert Hub, the community centre in Anchorage Green, Warnden Villages, opened the new cafe this week. The cafe aims to reach those socially isolated, providing a space for people to come and meet others from the local community to make new friends while enjoying refreshments together. The new cafe seating area is designed as a social space, both for the new community cafe and existing community groups run at the community centre. The cafe will be open on a drop-in basis on Wednesday and Thursday mornings between 10am and noon. Serving hot drinks and cakes, the cafe will run in the newly refurbished barn area of the hub and this dedicated space will be used at other times by community projects run by Lippert Hub such as their Dementia Support Group, New Parent Group and Monthly Bereavement Cafe. Lauren Cartwright, Centre Manager, said We're delighted to be able to launch this new venture and excited to welcome new people into the centre. Our aim for the cafe is to provide a place for people to meet others from the local community, make new friends and enjoy a coffee and cake together. Our new cafe seating area is a fantastic social space, both for the community cafe and existing community groups. The cafe was officially opened by Mayor of Worcester Councillor Stephen Hodgson on Wednesday, January the 12th. He said, this cafe has been set up to reduce social isolation. It provides space for people to meet new friends and for the community to come together. Lippert Hub is home to a wide range of groups and activities throughout the week and provides support and activities for all ages. Among the activities are walking groups, a parent and toddler group and a group for art and craft enthusiasts. Anyone is welcome to drop into the new cafe, which runs during term time. 
For more details, visit lippardhub.co.uk or call the staff at the Hub on 01905 616 OK, we're going to continue the community theme now. The headline for this story is Unwanted Landmark. It is a record nobody wanted to see broken, but Worcester's food bank fed more hungry people than ever before last December. Busy volunteers dished out emergency food parcels to 1,654 people last month, making it the busiest month since the charity opened its doors almost a decade ago. Hundreds of parents who could not afford to buy their children presents were given a toy shop gift card, and the food bank gave out 651 of these cards, worth more than £9,700. However, the charity has warned that even more challenging months lie ahead, with the cost of living crisis fuelled by rising energy costs, high inflation, and the prospect of another wave of household bill increases in April set to pull more people into financial hardship. Food bank manager Graham Lucas praised the extraordinary generosity of its supporters for helping them to meet the huge demand over Christmas. He said, The generosity of local people never ceases to delight and amaze us, but it is bittersweet when you witness so many households experiencing hardship. These are not the sort of records we want to be breaking, yet we find ourselves sliding into another cost-of-living crisis that will leave more people at risk of going hungry. Efforts by the Food Bank Network and other charities to alleviate the mounting pressure on struggling households were undermined in the autumn when pleas for the government to retain the £20 a week universal credit uplift fell on deaf ears. Mr Lucas said, We are under severe pressure to maintain the flow of donations, although we know the local community will always come through for us. We will continue to lobby the government to act and ensure everyone receives a living household income that covers the cost of the essentials we all depend on. Worcester Food Bank is also facing the task of finding new premises, with its current Lowesmore base earmarked for redevelopment. You can find out how to support our food bank by visiting the Give Help page, and that's at worcester.foodbank.org.uk. Well, trees mark 400 years, is the headline for this story. Hundreds of trees have been planted to signal the end of historic celebrations in the city. Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Stephen Hodgson, joined volunteers on what was a frosty morning to plant 400 saplings at Perdiswell Playing Fields as part of the Charter 400 project. In recognition of Worcester's 400 years as a city, this environmental gift has been given in hope it will last for a further 400 years. The planting, which took place on Thursday, is also part of Worcester's participation in the Queen's Green Canopy Project, marking Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee in 2022. It's a unique tree planting initiative to mark the Jubilee and people are invited across the United Kingdom to Quote, plant a tree for the Jubilee. Councillor Stephen Hodgson, Mayor of Worcester, said, What better gift to the city than to plant trees? And I am delighted that we're able to mark the Charter 400 project with such a lasting legacy. It has been a personal honour to undertake the role of mayor during such a historic and important year for Worcester, to remember and appreciate the importance of the Charter of King James I and to commemorate the city's very first mayor, Edward Herdman. 
The Charter 400 team planted the 400 trees at Purdiswell as an environmental gift to Worcester, citing their role in combating global warming while also providing a habitat for wildlife and encouraging pride in community spaces. The trees will include oak seedlings grown from trees which are over 400 years old to mark the year Worcester became a city. These 400-year-old trees can be found at sites across Worcester. Adrian Gregson, Charter 400 project manager, added, The Charter 400 project has featured artists and theatre commissions, opportunities to view the Charter of King James I itself, walking tours and much more. It's fitting that we end the Charter year with a gift to the city, which we hope will last another 400 years. A lovely story. Right, um, the next story is Safari Park backlash over carers. Families have slammed West Midland Safari Park's decision to axe free entry for carers of disabled guests. The attraction has said they did not take the decision to remove free admission for carers lightly. However, it has caused outrage on social media, with one mother saying, What a disappointment. We shan't be renewing my daughter's pass, sadly. She used to love going with her carer. Too expensive without a full discount for a carer. It seems very greedy and penny-pinching of them. Other venues are still allowing carers in for free. Another user said, It's a dreadful gesture. It's not inclusive for disabled guests at all. In response, West Midlands Safari Park posted on Facebook, We understand there will be guests unhappy with our decision to remove free admission for carers when accompanying a guest with disabilities from the 1st of January. Whilst this new policy is in line with a number of other attractions across the UK, it's not a decision we took lightly, and there were um, many factors we took into account. These include examples of people wrongly exploiting the system. We're one of the most disabled-friendly attractions in the UK, and it's important to note that carers can still purchase discounted admission tickets, annual passes, and receive free multi-ride wristbands when accompanying a guest with disabilities. As one of the region's most popular and inclusive attractions, we make a number of adjustments in the park to ensure disabled guests and those with mobility problems can visit without any accessibility issues. We're also proud to support a variety of local and national disabled charities and donate thousands of free tickets every year. Another parent said, This is awful. As a parent of a child with disabilities, I'm disgusted with their decision. Admission is £25 for adults, £20 for children aged 3 to 15, and £22 for concessions. OK, we're Wednesday's paper now. Hit Squad to Clean City. A council hit squad tasked with cleaning up the city looks set to be used for another year. Worcester City Council is looking to spend an extra £80,000 next year to hire two members of staff to continue hosing down streets, clean benches, bins, bus shelters, remove graffiti, clear up leaves and weeds from the side of some of the city's main routes. The Council's Environment Committee will decide next week whether to set aside the extra money for the work in next year's budget at a meeting in the Guildhall next Tuesday. For the last year, the work, which has been carried out mostly in the city centre, has seen staff clean up some of the messiest streets hit hardest by goal droppings, as well as scrub off offensive graffiti from the city's skate park. 
The hit squad has also helped with removing dead animals, litter picking, clearing leaves, getting rid of fly tipping and washing down the riverside, particularly after flooding. A report, due to be discussed by councillors, said the results of the work had been very noticeable and has resulted in fewer complaints to the council. The results from the redeployment of the current enhancement team have been very noticeable. The pavement washing and clear-up of gold mess has resulted in much cleaner paved areas under benches and around trees, the report said. The time taken to remove graffiti has improved and the regular litter bin cleansing has significantly reduced odours. There have been fewer customer complaints and the council has received some compliments on the condition of the city from visitors. If approved, the council would spend 80 grand on keeping the two members of staff employed for another year as well as rehiring a vehicle and jet wash. Councillors will also be using the meeting to discuss plans for a further £55,000 on more staff to help with clean-ups and keeping the whole city tidy, including mowing grass, strimming, hedge cutting, litter picking and cleaning alleyways, and this will take place throughout the next year. The Environment Committee meets from 7pm in the Guildhall on Tuesday, January the 25th. A well-loved, quirky, floating cafe is back, serving its much-loved bacon sandwich after a dry dock revamp and refurbishment. Customers had missed the floating cafe, but were very happy to see it back again and looking better than ever after its makeover. Owner Dave Price took over Cafe Afloat two years ago after retiring from running a car repair garage in Rowley Regis. He said, The canal boat was in need of some TLC. I knew right from the beginning it needed doing because it hadn't been out of the water for five or six years. We began budgeting and saving for it from the beginning. Customers are loving it. So many people think it's a different boat and they're really happy to have us back again. I think we're popular as it's a quirky place and of course the location is great. When the weather's nice, we're just packed with people. Mr Price bought the business after seeing it up for sale while dropping a friend off at Diglis. Reopening in the first lockdown, the cafe was a hit with people taking their daily walks. On a busy day, they'll sell around 280 coffees and it's a meeting place for cycling, dog walking and book clubs. It's also famous for its bacon sandwiches, using produce from two local producers, bacon from the Butcheress, based in Stoke Prior, and bread from Mar Bakers in Cranham Drive. Last year, Mr Price extended the kitchen throughout the whole canal boat. Customers can no longer sit on the boat, but there are chairs and gazebos back on dry land. Mr Price also has exciting future plans for Café Afloat too. I'm thinking about making a roof terrace on top of the boat with two or three tables. I have to look into it with regards to health and safety. But that's something I would be looking to do next year. Mm. Good luck that's to him. Mm. Yeah. Well, here's not quite such good news. Flats plan for eyesore. A decaying former city pub could finally be demolished to make way for flats under new plans. The proposals would see the eyesore crown and anchor watering hole in Worcester's Hilton Road knocked down and replaced with a four-storey block with seven apartments. The pub, which has been empty for several years and is in a poor condition, was the target of an arson attack last year. Several residents in Hilton Road and neighbouring Hennick Road have objected to the plan, saying the apartment block would not fit in with surrounding buildings and would add to parking woes in the area. 
In an objection to the City Council, Gaynor Slade of Hilton Rand said, I'm dismayed by the proposal to erect a four-storey, seven-unit build in the limited space that was previously only able to accommodate a small two-storey public house. The build is not in keeping with the local area and will not blend in with the existing residences. Also objecting, Brian Ovington of Henwick Road said... It's extremely unlikely that the owners of the apartments will not have cars, which will only exacerbate the on-street parking on surrounding roads, with many houses of multiple occupation in the vicinity and pressure from university students looking for spaces. And I would be surprised if that meets current standards for new-build properties. The overall design of the new building is much greater in size and is out of character with surrounding dwellings on Hilton Road, those close by being either two storeys or bungalows. Whilst I would support a development more in line with the original design, this proposal is quite out of character with the surrounding area and is definitely an overdevelopment. In another objection, Geraldine Cooper, also of Hilton Road, said, I'm extremely concerned about the proposed planning for seven apartments. Firstly, the impact on a number of adjacent properties and those nearby will be massive. Their right to light and privacy will be greatly impeded. It seems no thought has been given to the effect on the neighbours or neighbourhood. The size and style is totally out of character for the area. Right, better get back to the good news, I think, then. Here we go. (laughs) Funding boost for two city groups. Two Worcester groups are among almost 170 groups who shared over £170,000 in 2021 thanks to the Central England Co-op Community Dividend Fund. Vamos Theatre, based at the Swan Theatre, was given £2,500 to help support its Joy in a Box scheme aimed at people who are frail, live with dementia or learning disabilities. Hazel Ratcliffe of Vamos said, We were thrilled to receive funding from the Co-op Community Dividend Fund, which supported our activity, Advent Calendar, for people living with dementia and other forms of sensory impairment. With an activity or sensory game for every day, the project aided creative play and ideas for interactive and communal events in residential settings and day settings, aiding resident and staff at well-being. And Three Counties Holistic Healthcare, based in County House St Mary Street, was given £1,050 to support with health, well-being and therapy courses. Susan Barley said, We are a small independent charity based in Worcester. We've been running since 2007 and our purpose is to provide well-being courses and holistic complementary therapy free or via a small donation to people in Worcester on a low income who would otherwise not be able to access this type of service. Finding funding has been a challenge since COVID-19 pandemic, and we're very pleased that Central England Co-op has awarded us funds for this service, and it's already helped many people on the road to health and personal well-being. Jim Watts, Co-op Society Secretary, said, Community dividend fund grants showcase how being a member and shopping at your local Central England Co-op store allows us as a society to continue to invest and fund vital projects in the area, especially during uncertain times like these. Our relaunched fund aligns with our new society purpose to create a sustainable society for all. And we're delighted to share these funds with these amazing groups and can't wait to see how they use it to benefit their local community. I would like to urge all of our members to get in touch and put forward a community cause close to their hearts for the Community Dividend Fund Scheme during the coming 12 months. 
To apply, members will need name, address, membership number, organisation type, organisation bank account or constitution and to explain what the group does, how the grant will be spent and the specific impact it will have related to COVID-19. People can find out the full criteria and how to apply for funding by visiting www.centralengland, all one word that is, dot co-op forward slash community forward slash. Complaints have been made that the city's main station's bike rack area is still broken and dirty months after it was first raised. Cycling campaign group Bike Worcester is calling for Fourgate Street Station's bike racks, which have been broken for six months, to be fixed, as well as the area to be cleaned. We first reported on the state of the bike racks back in June last year, after it came under fire from the campaign group, which described it as completely inadequate. The campaign group said then, not suitable for non-standard cycles, dirty and smells of urine, poorly lit at night, women say they don't feel safe. Danny Brothwell, chairman of Bike Worcester, compared them to an impressive new cycle storage area that has opened at Birmingham New Street and the cycle storage area at Crowngate Shopping Centre. At the time, a West Midlands railway spokesman said, We are fully committed to encouraging sustainable modes of transport wherever possible and have made significant investment in cycling facilities across our network. Improvements to the lighting at Worcester Fourgate Street are planned as part of major upgrade works at the station and CCTV covering the bike storage area has already been installed. The existing dual height storage system ensures we can cater for as many bikes as possible in the limited space available but we are happy to consider the feasibility of alternative suggestions. Staff at the station apologised about how long it was taking to fix and they issued this through the Worcester Fourgate whiteboard Twitter account. West Midlands Railway said, I've requested an update from Worcester and I will let you know when they come back to me. So here's an interesting item of information. Help with fuel bills. Fuel vouchers are available to those struggling to stay warm this winter. Worcestershire County Council is supporting vulnerable households struggling to pay fuel bills due to loss of income or increased fuel use. The vouchers are available for families and households on prepayment meters and those paying on direct debit, receipt of bill or those paying directly to their supplier. The scheme, provided by Act on Energy, helps with boiler servicing and maintenance, energy bill support, tariff advice and debt write-off, up to £250. For more information, email support at actonenergy, that's all one word, .org.uk. And here's a rather sad story about the rivers in our county, which are described in the headline as a chemical cocktail. Worcestershire's rivers are among those filled with a chemical cocktail of sewage, agricultural waste and plastic, putting public health and nature at risk. An interactive map created by the Rivers Trust reveals the concerning state of the rivers in our county. Almost all those rivers and their sources, including the Severn, Team, Solwerp and Avon, were rated as either moderate or poor, following ecological checks in 2019. In fact, just a small section of the waterway in Elmley Castle, a source of the River Avon, was rated good out of the county's vast network. 
This comes after a new report published on Thursday by the Environmental Audit Committee, which said only 14% of English rivers meet good ecological status. It added that it has been tricky to get a complete overview of the health of rivers due to outdated, underfunded and inadequate monitoring. And until the passing of the Environment Act last year, there had been a lack of political will to improve water quality. Some of the issues the group has raised include river quality monitoring, not identifying microplastics or persistent chemical pollutants or antimicrobial resistant pathogens flowing through rivers. In December, Seven Trent was fined a staggering £1.5 million for discharging sewage into Worcestershire's watercourses. Prosecutors told of how the company failed to respond to alarms at its works in Blackminster near Evesham, warning of sewage discharge. A blockage caused approximately 360,000 litres of sewage to be illegally discharged to the nearby Broadway Brook. Environmental Audit Committee Chairman Philip Dunn said... Rivers are the arteries of nature and they must be protected. Our inquiry has uncovered multiple failures in the monitoring, governance and enforcement of water quality. For too long, the government, regulators and the water industry have allowed a Victorian sewerage system to buckle under increasing pressure. Environment Minister Rebecca Powell said the government welcomes the report and was going further and faster than any other government to protect and enhance the health of rivers and seas. An environment agency spokesman said the EA has launched a major investigation into possible unauthorised spills at thousands of sewage treatment works, secured fines of over £137 million since 2015 for pollution incidents and placed new requirements on water companies to significantly increase their monitoring and reporting so that everyone can see what is happening. Age UK Worcester and Malvern Hills has announced the return of its intergenerational project, Creative Friends. The project is in partnership with several organisations, including Worcestershire County Council, Action for Children, Staying Well Partnership and Spare Room Arts. Are you looking for something to do during the winter months? Do you want the flexibility to create where and when it suits you? Do you want to express yourself creatively? We hereby invite those who live in the following communities to join an exciting free project that allows you to connect creatively, creatively, creatively even, (laughs) with others from the same community. Creativity is in everyone. We just need the opportunity to unlock it. Whether you're an individual, community group, care home or school, everyone can become a creative friend. Creative Friends allow participants to take part from the comfort and warmth of their own home and there's no requirement for internet or any kind of art experience to take part. This is a great opportunity for participants to create a piece of art that expresses personal thoughts and feelings that is to be exchanged with a chosen creative friend at the end of March. Once you've signed up for our Creative Friends project, we'll get you started by first pairing you with your new creative friend, sending you the project theme and providing you with art supplies to use throughout the project. There'll be support available from the lead artist of Spare Room Arts and you'll have the opportunity to attend a Creative Friends cafe across Worcestershire. These will allow you to experience a fun intergenerational art workshop, socialise with other creative friends, enjoy refreshments and learn new skills.
Age UK Worcester and Morven Hills Health and Wellbeing Project Coordinator Fee Petz said, I am delighted that we get to expand creative friends across the county. After piloting creative friends in the city of Worcester during the COVID-19 lockdown, we soon saw the impact creativity played in connecting participants and the community together. The feedback inspired us to expand Creative Friends and we're excited to see further connections made and creativity unlocked. For more information or to sign up to the free project, please contact Age UK Worcester and Morven Hills on 01684 560 or email fee at ageukwmh, that's all lowercase, fee at ageukwmh.org or visit the website ageukwmh.org. Sign up will remain open until Monday, January the 31st. A 46-year-old man denies supplying heroin and crack cocaine after one of his co-defendants was found with more than £3,000 worth of drugs up his bottom. Jonathan Rippard denies possession of heroin and crack cocaine with intent to supply as his trial got underway at Worcester Crown Court on Monday after police searched a car and house in Pershaw. One of his co-defendants, Alim Ahmed, was found with more than £3,000 of Class A drugs inside his buttocks as part of the investigation. Rippard, now of Gisborne Gardens, Hampton, Evesham, further denies possession of cannabis with intent to supply, possession of a lock knife found in his then-girlfriend's car and possession of 10.5 grams of crack cocaine found at his home address after a police search. The defendant, who had been living at Rail Ground in Pershaw at the time of his arrest, was a passenger in a black Mercedes stopped by police in Three Springs Road, Pershaw, on December the 5th, 2018. Jason Aris, prosecuting, said how the Mercedes was stopped by officers in an unmarked car at around 4.20pm, directly opposite the BP garage. Drugs, cash and a number of mobile phones were seized. The court heard that two other men in the car, Mohammed Hussein and Alim Ahmed, had already admitted drugs offences, but that Rippard denied any involvement. Rippard was asked if he had any drugs upon him, and he answered, Yes, I have some in my pocket, just bought them. From his front trouser pocket, they recovered a yellow kinder egg, which contained three packages of heroin and one of skunk cannabis, with an estimated street value of £20. Also recovered from his pocket was a blue latex glove, which contained a wrap of white powder and an Alcatel mobile phone. His home was also searched two hours later, where officers found drugs and scales. They found 10.5 grams of crack cocaine, with an estimated street value of £350 in his living room, a wrap of heroin in a kitchen drawer, skunk cannabis worth £210 in a downstairs toilet, 40 grams of herbal cannabis worth £80 on top of the fridge, an Aldi bag of herbal cannabis, 145 grams, valued at £280 in the main bedroom, and more herbal cannabis valued at £200 in the loft, and a quantity of cannabis leaf. A police drugs expert said that this amount of drugs was entirely inconsistent with personal use.
Ahmed was found to have £3,390 worth of crack cocaine and heroin rather unattractively concealed within his buttocks, Mr Aris said. Mr Aris also told the jury that Rippard had told officers in interview he'd forgotten about the knife in the glove compartment of his girlfriend's car and denied possession of the blade. Right. Victim was throttled is our next story. A man throttled his ex and stamped on her after pushing, throwing or dragging her down a flight of stairs. James Arnold was convicted by a majority decision of the attack on his partner, former partner, I'm sorry, in Worcester following a trial. The 35-year-old carried out the attack at Greenfields Close, Warnden Villages, the address where he then lived. The couple had been in a relationship until April 2019, but they had continued to see each other until what Judge James Burbage QC called the fateful day of November 27th, 2019, when the assault took place. Arnold, now of Windmill Close, Barbourne, Worcester, had been convicted of assault occasioning actual bodily harm on November 26th last year. The defendant, a previous good character, was spared jail by Judge Burbage following a sentencing hearing at Worcester Crown Court on Wednesday. Judge Burbage said the victim remembered being dragged to the stairs from the bed before she found herself at the bottom of the stairs near the front door. He said she believes she was thrown, pushed or pulled. She can't remember. She remembers the feeling of strangling to the throat, pressure to her throat and being stamped on. There were certainly injuries with put before the jury consistent with that. She was adamant she was stamped on. Mercifully, she did not suffer significant physical injuries. The attack had a profound effect on her mental health and anxiety. I'm fearful of going out and do not like going out on my own, she said. The attack was also said by her to have had a financial impact because she needed to have four days off work due to the injuries she sustained. Andrew Davidson, defending, said the attack was completely out of character and that Arnold's father, who had supported him at the trial, had died on Thursday. He said, the post-mortem is tomorrow. They don't know when the funeral is. He's distracted, but he does want to get this, that is the sentence, out of the way. Judge Burbage sentenced Arnold to eight months in prison, suspended for nine months. I'm satisfied, as Mr Davidson said, that we will not see you again, he said. He also ordered him to pay £600 in compensation for the injuries to the victim and the damage caused to her mobile phone. Costs of £1,000 were imposed, the Crown had requested 2800 and Arnold was ordered to complete 100 hours of unpaid work. A cricket club that was nearly blown up by vandals will be installing 12-foot gates at their driveway to prevent further problems. The chairman of Norton Cricket Club has said the club has no choice but to act after vandals broke in, causing extensive damage and leaving a mess behind. Dormston Cook said, Things have settled down in relation to incidents of vandalism, but the main thing is the strain it has put on our purse strings. We're putting up two big 12-foot double gates in front of the clubhouse drive to stop the public using from using it as a cut-through from St Peter's to Norton. Mr Cook estimates that repairing the damage caused by the vandals on December 28th will take a few weeks. He said he's still waiting for an update from the police about the incident. He added, I'm really disappointed. I've heard absolutely nothing. They had fingerprints and they said someone would be 
paid a visit. I was expecting them to find somebody. We have contacted West Mercia Police for comment. Three hooded teenagers were caught on CCTV who smashed the club's windows, damaged the doors and left gas canisters on. A replica handgun was also found left at the club. Mr Cook added, It's something that has escalated recently. We're isolated where we are and it is getting beyond a joke. Since the footbridge was put in between here and St Peter's, it's got a lot worse because it is so much easier for people to get to the club. Right, uh, and a city centre walkway will be closed for up to eight weeks from this Monday just gone, January the 17th. The footpath on Angel Row, which leads to Rack Alley and The Hive, is being upgraded and will not be accessible to the public. Worcestershire County Council's Highways Department said on Twitter that the work would take up to four weeks, but a sign on Angel Row said the closure would last eight weeks. Members of the public are being asked to use an alternative route for journeys between the Hive and the city centre along Angel Place and the Butts. The work forms part of a multi-million pound regeneration of the Angel Place area of Worcester, being run as a joint project between Worcestershire County Council and Worcester City Council. Improvements will include new surfacing, lighting, seating, planting and decluttering. It's been made possible by the award of £17.9 million from the government's Future High Streets Fund, which was launched in 2018 with the aim of reshaping town centres and high streets in a way that drives growth and ensures future sustainability. Launching the Angel Place refurbishment scheme last week, last month, Councillor Alan Amos, the County Council's Cabinet Member for Highways, said improving the city centre will make the area more attractive to everyone, including residents, shoppers and businesses, helping to create a better environment worthy of Worcester's historic character. The leader of Worcester City Council, Councillor Mark Bayliss, added, The government's investment in Worcester is set to create an exciting leisure, cultural, entertainment and residential quarter in the Northern Gateway area around Angel Place, including a new theatre for the city. The work in and around Angel Row forms part of Phase 1 of the city centre improvements, which is expected to take about 14 weeks to complete. Future phases will take in other areas of the north part of the city centre, including Angel Street, The Cross, The Foregate, Trinity Street, Trinity Passage and St Swithin Street. You can find more information on the work at worcestershire.gov.uk forward slash Worcester FHSF and at an unmanned exhibition at the Guildhall in Worcester. Right. <coughs> Story about some students now making a film, which sounds quite interesting. Student project up on big screen. Students at the University of Worcester have been working on a film that they are looking to submit to festivals across the Midlands. Third-year students at the University of Worcester studying film production have been producing a retro-styled thriller called Interference. The film is to be entered at the Worcester Film Festival as well as the Birmingham Film Festival, with the hope of getting more people interested in sharing the project. A crew of more than 20 has been working on the production, which features many well-known areas of Worcester, such as The Hive, Hallow, London Road and Batten Hall. Director of the film and module leader John Bradburn said, I am amazingly proud of these students and prospective filmmakers. 
I tried to write the most difficult, challenging and problematic script for them and they managed to rise to the challenge without any issues whatsoever. I'd even go as far as to say the shoot itself was enjoyable, which is very rare. They managed to create a quantum computer, find a 1980s car to hire and generally work as a fully professional unit. As a filmmaker in the industry as well as an academic, I can honestly say all of them could easily work on any professional set. The film follows the life of a scientist known as Dr Jones as he becomes consumed by the possibility of discovering parallel dimensions after experiencing an unknown family trauma. Lead actor Matt Fernley, who plays Dr Jones, said it's been a great experience filming with these students. Their energy, passion and the story are incredible. John is a great director who has the amazing ability to get the best out of actors and the students he teaches. The future of the whole industry is in safe hands, knowing people with this much passion. The goal of the film was to create the film on a professional level and to help get recognition for up-and-coming filmmakers. Head of the Department of Film and Media Production, Dr Paul Elliott, said, This year's students have had to endure endless interruption due to the pandemic. However, they have shown that the younger generation can always be relied upon for their reserves of creativity and commitment. I feel proud to be head of the department to these budding filmmakers. They are a credit to the university and those who have taught them. Uh, well, here's a, an item which probably should have gone into the what's on, but I missed it. A city church has announced its next concert. St Martin's Church in London Road is holding a concert from Worcestershire Symphony Orchestra on Saturday, February the 5th at 7.30pm. Symphony Number no. 7, Leningrad, is being performed. The audience enjoying Shostakovich's famous wartime masterpiece, preceded by a short talk by conductor Keith Slade about the symphony and the extraordinary conditions under which it was composed. Tickets are available at stmartinsworcester.org.uk or on the door. Adults cost £12, concessions £10, while children's Children cost £5 with the first child going free. Right. A graphic designer from Worcester has launched a clothing brand inspired by Covid and the loss of her father. In March 2020, Michelle Betteridge and her father David Cook became two of the first people in the country to catch Covid. David, who lived near Worcester his entire life, died as a result of the virus on April the 6th, 2020. This and her subsequent experience of the pandemic inspired Michelle to develop her own clothing brand, Isolation Generation. She said, I was too ill and couldn't even get out of bed, so I said my final goodbye to him over the phone as my sister held it to his ear. I still remember every word. I created a clothing brand inspired by my COVID-19 experience. The overwhelming loss, followed by the hard acceptance that he would not have the send-off he had deserved, the kindness and understanding shown by our friends and the wider community never failed to lift our spirits on those darkest of days. Michelle's brand aims to highlight all the good that came from the pandemic. However, as reports emerged of Conservative MPs and the Prime Minister attending parties during lockdown, Michelle is now hoping the brand can serve as a reminder to the government that she and many like her continue to follow the rules. She said, To hear that those deciding and rolling out the restrictions flouted these themselves, not once but several times, <clears throat> with each revelation more damning than the last, 
sickens me, especially when at that exact time I was unable to arrange a funeral for my father or console my sister, nieces and nephew with a hug following our loss. She added, We sacrificed time with family and friends. We cancelled weddings, anniversaries and birthday parties. We homeschooled. We stayed away from A&E to protect the NHS. We missed dental appointments. We attended pregnancy scans without our partners. We shopped alone, wearing a mask during a heat wave. And we asked neighbours if they needed anything. We did all this, and that's why we are the isolation generation. Arrest after long wait. A man was arrested for assault after a heavy police presence in a city street for several hours. A 28-year-old remained in police custody yesterday after a large police presence was seen in St Woolston's Crescent off Wilds Lane. Officers were called to an address to reports of an assault at about 3pm on Monday. They became concerned for the welfare of the man while at the property and remained in the road for several hours. Later that evening, the ambulance service arrived at the home to reports of a medical emergency. A male patient refused to be seen by paramedics paramedics, and was discharged at the scene. A large number of police cars and police vans as well as an ambulance were at the address until 1am according to an eyewitness. A West Mercia police spokesman said around 3pm officers received a report of an assault in Worcester. Following inquiries, officers attended a property in St Wollstone's Crescent. While at the address, officers became concerned for the welfare of a man. And after several hours, a 28-year-old man from Worcester was arrested on suspicion of assault. He remains in custody. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said, We were called to reports of a medical emergency at a property in Woolston's Crescent at 6.42 last night. One ambulance, a paramedic and a heart, H-A-R-T, I confess I don't know what H-A-R-T stands for, paramedic attended the scene. On arrival, we discovered one male patient. He did not wish to be assessed and was discharged at the scene. Local PGA advanced golf professional Graham Hawkins kept himself busy during lockdowns by putting pen to paper to come up with his instruction book, Default Golf, Finding David. Graham has more than 30 years of teaching experience from the complete beginner to the elite performers and his book offers up advice and insight that he says will enable all standards of golfer to improve their performance. The book by the head golf coach at Malvern College takes the reader on a journey in which they'll learn to maximise their own personal strengths at the same time as giving them the necessary information that they will need to improve their weaknesses. Graham said, The basis of the book is that all golfers have their default golf swing. This is the one with which they were born, Unfortunately, very rarely is this the method that will allow the player to reach their optimum performance level. However, what our default swing provides is the framework on which we can, with one or two tweaks, allow us to capitalise on our natural skills. Using tried and tested methods, Default Golf offers the reader, in plain and easily understood language, the opportunity to maximise their potential by travelling along a structured route. The David reference in the book's title is to Michelangelo's iconic statue, which Graham regularly uses as a metaphor for a golfer's swing. He continued, No one method is preferred to another. The reader is encouraged to go out and explore various options. Like all good teachers, Graham tells you where you need to look to find improvement, but he doesn't necessarily tell you what to see. 
The book was released last month and is available online from Amazon and Waterstones. I think we might finish there, yeah. actually, John. Yeah. Everyone's struggling to find yeah. how to read. Okay. I think that's enough, didn't I you? I think one more to Catherine. Yeah, but Phil said he didn't have any, no, so we'll no, call it a day. No, no, no. Okay, so if I say something about, well, that, that finishes the... Um, yeah. No. I've got one sport. <clears throat> I've got one sport. And, and then we'll have to do... Talk for the day. Talk for the day. There are no birthdays. They'll just have to have a bit of a thin week. You've got about ten minutes, haven't you, before we get to that ten minute before we stop mark. So you've got the obits and that's Okay. Uh, quite a long time. Anyway, whenever it is. I'll read very it. slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so so that concludes the general news stories for this week. Um, I think, to be honest, we're a bit thin on the ground there. We were all struggling to find stuff to to uh, give out for you all. But now, moving on, we're going to do a few sport items. And we'll begin with Catherine, who I think has something on the Raiders. No. On the Warriors. On the Warriors. Yes. I've got the Raiders. Right. Yeah. Have, a, have a read. OK. Thomas' season looks over. Worcester Warriors head coach Jonathan Thomas has suggested that prop Mark Thomas is likely to miss the rest of the season after suffering a dislocated ankle in last weekend's European Challenge Cup defeat to Toulon. Thomas was returning to the side for the first time in seven weeks, having injured his foot in the 24-all draw with Newcastle. He managed just 24 minutes on his comeback before he was stretched off the six-ways turf with a serious injury to his ankle. He's not had an operation yet, but it is a pretty serious injury, said Jonathan Thomas. The thing with front row forwards is that they wear long studs, and unfortunately, with the surface here at six ways, there's a little less give, and he's got those studs stuck and turned his ankle. So he's dislocated it and also done some damage to the ligaments as well. So we don't know yet the time frame, but it would be at least four to five months. Right, we've got a rugby union story for you now, headed national duty. Warriors pair, that's Worcester Warriors, of course, the rugby team, Worcester Warriors pair Duhan van der Merwe and Rory Sutherland have been named in a Scotland's 39-man squad for the Guinness Six Nations. The pair both arrived at six ways from Edinburgh Rugby last summer, having toured South Africa with the British and Irish Lions. Wing van der Merwe has scored eight tries in 14 international appearances, three for the Lions last summer, since he made a try-scoring debut against Georgia at Murrayfield in October 2020. Loosehead prop Sutherland returns to Scotland's squad, having missed their Autumn Nations series because of a side muscle injury. Scotland will gather for a training camp on Monday, January 24th and reassemble ahead of the opening match of the competition, the Calcutta Cup clash with England at BT Murrayfield on Saturday, February the 5th. When you look through the squad, this is the most competitive I've seen it in so many areas and that's testament to the strength and depth we have, said Scotland head coach Gregor Townsend. We're able to call up several new players into the squad, such as Andy Christie, Kyle Rowe and Ben White. We have been aware of all the uncapped players for a while now, and recently they have all experienced a breakthrough in terms of their performances at club level. We're delighted to be able to include Cameron Redpath in the squad after missing the last few months with injury. 
He managed to get a game under his belt prior to the squad selection, so we'll see how he performs for Bath and are in our training over the next couple of weeks. The Guinness Six Nations is the best competition we have in rugby, so to be involved in it is a real privilege, especially starting with our oldest rivals in front of a sold-out home crowd. And here's an item about Worcester Raiders football team. Worcester Raiders have been dealt a massive blow halfway through the season. As manager, Mark Owen has decided to step away from the football club due to personal reasons. Owen has overseen Raiders' recent climb to the top of the Hellenic League Division 1 alongside co-manager Carl Gormley, having been brought to the club in October after the sacking of Chris Corns. Gormley will now take the reins as boss, but will be joined by former Redditch United, Evesham United, Bromsgrove and Moor Green midfielder Danny Sheppel as first-team coach, alongside assistant manager Richard Upton. A Raiders statement read, Worcester Raiders joint manager Mark Owen has taken a break from his role at Six Ways for the next three months for personal reasons. The former Worcester City striker joined the club in October of last year and has since steered Raiders to the top of the Earl Sports Hellenic League Division 1, going into the business end of the campaign. Carl Gormley will assume the role of manager during this period, with UEFA B licensed coach Richard Upton continuing in his role as assistant manager. Chairman at the club, Steve Harris, admitted it was a shock to all at the club, but wanted to reiterate that Owen has had to put himself first for the time being. Mark is taking some time away from football, he said. He has some personal issues going on in his life that means he needs to take some time out of the game. It comes at a bad time with us being second in the league and doing so well, but he has got us here in this great position with Carl, who will take over the reins as the sole manager at the club now. Hopefully Mark will come back in the new season, but he's told the team and explained the reasons. He needs some time out, that is the key thing for Mark. But we have a great team and some great players and we just have to keep going and get back to the top of the league and try and get promotion. Raiders are next in action against Hereford Pegasus at Six Ways on Saturday, the 22nd of January. And we wish them well. Well, that concludes the sport. As I said, very little to read to you, I'm afraid, this week. Uh, So moving on, I will reach for the birthday file, only to find, to my dismay, there are no birthdays to celebrate this month. Does anyone have any other birthdays we can mention? No, nothing in the birthday file. So... Phil, I think you've got the thought for the day for us. Perhaps you can. I do, Pippa, and I will, with pleasure, yes. Uh, This is an extract from Psalm 52, and it's verses 8 and 9. I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name will I hope, for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. Thank you, Phil. Uh, Finally, I have the sunrise and sunset times. And for today, the sun rose at 8.04 a.m. and it will be setting at 4.35 p.m. That's for Thursday, January the 20th. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording, apart from, of course, the obituaries, which are after the music. I'd like to thank the readers for today. That's Catherine Neal. 
and Phil Lee. And, of course, the production team. Uh, there's John sitting on the other side of the glass who waves goodbye. And to Paul and Jean who are going to do the copying and uh, admin work from tomorrow. Thank you very much and goodbye. It's goodbye for me. It's goodbye for my team. Goodbye. And uh, we're now going to read the obituaries that have appeared in the paper this last week. Phil, would you like to start? Yes, Pips, I will. We start with Faye Clark, who died peacefully on the 22nd of December last. The service of Thanksgiving is at St. Peter's Church in Markley, and that's on Thursday the 27th of January at 1pm. Uh, family flowers only, please, but if there are donations, they can go to St. Peter's Church in Martley or to the NSPCC in memory of Fay. All inquiries to EJ Gummery and Son, telephone 01905 22094. Alan William Saunders passed away at Worcester Royal on December last on the 19th. A funeral service will take place on Monday, the 24th of January, at St Andrew's Church, Ombersley, and that will happen at 11am, followed by burial in the churchyard of St Andrew's. All flowers welcome. Donations, if desired, can be left in the donation box provided to Midlands Air Ambulance. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, telephone 01905 22892. Anisi Silvio, uh, who was once with the Midland Red, passed away peacefully at home on the 23rd of last month, aged 84. A funeral service will be held at St George's Catholic Church, Sansom Place, Worcester, at 12.45, and that's on Tuesday next, the 25th of January. Family flowers only, please. Donations in memory of Silvio to St Richard's Hospice care of Jackson's Family Funeral Directors Worcester or to the family. Amy Rose Bosworth, née Richardson, passed away peacefully on the 6th of this month. The funeral service will be at St Stephen's Church on Tuesday the 1st of February at 12.15, followed by a committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Cancer Research UK or Cats Protection, Worcester Branch, and these may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70 to 70 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Frank Aubrey Tarbuck. Aubrey passed away peacefully in his sleep on the 30th of December. Funeral service at Hallow Church, Worcester, on the 26th of January at 1pm. All inquiries to Bedwardine's funeral directors, donations if desired, can be made to West Midlands Air Ambulance. Pauline Burton, nay Yap, passed away peacefully on Friday the 31st of December, aged 74 years. The funeral service will take place on Tuesday the 25th of January at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, but donations if desired to the MS Trust may be left in the donation box provided at the crematorium. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, Worcester, telephone 01905 22892. Keith James Jarrett passed away suddenly 
on the 6th of December, aged 67. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 24th of January at 9.30am. Flowers may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son at 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Anthony George Johnson, known as Lofty, formerly of Worcester and life member of Worcester Rugby Football Club and Worcester Rowing Club, passed away peacefully in Wellington, New Zealand, aged 93. David Eric Rodway passed away peacefully in Worcestershire Royal Hospital after a long illness on the 12th of December, aged 84. A service of thanksgiving will be held at St John in Bedwardine Church on Thursday 3rd of March at 11am. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for QEHKPA may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Wendy Bakewell passed away suddenly at home on the 15th of December. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 28th of January at 1pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Midlands Air Ambulance may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. John Janes passed away peacefully on the 2nd of January The funeral service at Worcester Crematorium will be on Friday the 28th of January at 3.15. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Myeloma UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU Lily Richards known as Lil passed away peacefully at home on Friday the 7th of January the funeral service will take place on Thursday the 3rd of February at Witchenford Church at 2pm for any further information please contact H. H. Handley of Bromyard telephone 01885-482216. Alan John Walcroft died peacefully at home on the 5th of January. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 25th of January at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, Worcestershire, WR14 1TL, telephone 01684 892 777. 